My name is Dan. I'm one of the elders here, and I'll be walking us through a uh, different kind of sermon today. Last week, uh, if you were here, we finished up our series through the book of Acts. And before we begin our next series, we're going to spend the next three weeks on a variety of topics that our preaching team has felt compelled to speak on. This week, I would like to explore the uh, fun, easy, unified topic of the Holy Spirit. Um, That's the thing, if you ask most Christians about, say, God the Father, or if you ask most Christians about God the Son, that's Jesus, you'll probably get at least some common answers, hopefully. But if you ask a hundred people about the Holy Spirit, you may get a hundred different answers. That's a big problem. Because the Holy Spirit, to be blunt, I think is the often misunderstood, downplayed, or even flat out ignored third person of what we call the Trinity. By Trinity, that's God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if he really is part of the Trinity, we must understand him. So I have two big things I want to do as we shine a light, uh, as it were, on the Holy Spirit today. First, I want to demystify the Holy Spirit. I want to make him less abstract. And I, I say that simply because he does have a clear identity and he does have a clear mission. And we can actually see it play out right in God's word. Second, I'd like to demystify his role in our mission. In other words, how he helps us grow God's unstoppable kingdom. So here's how I'm going to do that. I'm going to lay some groundwork from the Old Testament and the New Testament, including the book of Acts. Sorry, we're not quite done yet. (laughs) And we won't cover everything about the Holy Spirit, but by God's grace, we will hit the big stuff. So let me begin with my main point. The Holy Spirit lives in perfect community with God and helps us restore the world's broken community with God. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit lives in perfect community with God and helps us restore the world's broken community with God. You heard the word community twice, well, four times if you count the repeat. And you're going to hear that word a lot today. Because many think of the Holy Spirit as kind of this rogue agent. And I want to make it clear that his very identity and mission, who he is and what he does, is built, is anchored around community with God. And as a result, he helps our identity and our mission to be likewise anchored, centered around community with God. But before I talk too much about us, Let me begin by connecting the Holy Spirit to the rest of the Trinity. So the first thing we should know, this is under point one, is that the Holy Spirit lives in unbroken community with God the Father and God the Son. So let me um, go back to the very beginning to show you that. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. If you're fast, flip to it. If not, I'm just going to start reading. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face 
of the waters. I just want to make a really simple point here. In the beginning, the Holy Spirit was there too. He, um, he didn't jump in later. He wasn't conjured up. He wasn't an audible. And then who else was there? We have God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. But um, according to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, I won't read that. I'll just sum it up. Jesus is there called the Word of God. And he's there at the beginning too. So all I'm saying when I quote these passages and I kind of bring us in is to make a simple point. You can't separate the Holy Spirit from the other two. Nor can you make him more or less. He simply is part of. Is part of. Not only that, what he does. Not just who he is, but what he does is by result, completely tied to the Father and the Son. In other words, he can't be a rogue agent. Let me uh, show you the beginnings of that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. This is the creation of people. The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, or I think a better translation is spirit, and the man became a living creature. And so... The, the Trinity, the whole Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is present in the creation of man, even breathing life and ironically giving people a spirit. But shortly after that, women are made so that man would not be alone. And they all, man, woman, and the Trinity, live in perfect community. So I'm simply just going to take that first little easy point there of God and Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit being together in the beginning. And take that a little further. Just as the Holy Spirit dwells in perfect community with God the Father and God the Son, they made people to do the same thing. To live in perfect community. And if you're even remotely familiar with the Bible, you know that things take a sad turn after that. In Genesis chapter 3, which I'll sum up, the community between people and God is broken by sin. Adam and Eve sin, and they are cast out of God's presence. Though God made community perfect, men and women now live in broken community with God and with each other. And I'll sum up the rest of the Old Testament in this way. It doesn't get better. Yet, the Holy Spirit remains in perfect community. That doesn't change. And we actually get a clear glimpse of their united mission to fix things. Here's the mission. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will restore the world's broken community with God through His Word. A clear picture of that is found in passages like Ezekiel 36, verses 25 and 27. As I read that, I want you to consider what each member of the Trinity is doing. So this is God the Father speaking to his people. Ezekiel 36, 25, and then I'll read 27. Here's what it says. I will sprinkle clean water on you, And you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from your idols I will cleanse you. And then verse 27, 
And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So do you see the role of the Holy Spirit? Did you see that? In verse 27, the Father is sending the Holy Spirit to be put in people. And this will simply cause them to live the way God wants them to live. What happens first in verse 25, we get the third person or the second person in the Trinity, but the third character in those verses I just read, these people would be made clean. And all I mean by the word clean is not like soap, but I mean that the same God of order who in the beginning took messy dirt and made people out of it is going to clean those messy people. He's going to remove the sin and restore the community. But that's not all. God is going to bring order to their disordered, confused hearts. He's not just going to take away the bad. He's going to put something good there. That's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will help people to live in that new way. In short, the Old Testament cycle, according to the Trinity... The cycle of broken community will come to an end. You guys got that so far? <clears throat> so um, who, who's actually going to do the cleaning? God the Son, the, the Word of God. Jesus himself, the, the second person of the Trinity. Now, I won't go into detail about how that cleaning happens because the focus in the sermon is on the Holy Spirit. But write down Isaiah 53 if you've never read that because that both confirms that Jesus is the one doing it and also how he's going to do it. But what's really neat is that we fast forward and Jesus himself when he comes to earth on his mission hundreds of years later, he confirms what Ezekiel says about the Holy Spirit as he talks to his disciples in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. Here's what he says. He says to his disciples, if you love me, we say this to our kids all the time, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. <laughs> And I will ask the Father, that's not all, it's not just do what I say, I will ask the Father and he will give you a helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So do you see what Jesus just did? On the night of his betrayal, when, they will, when his disciples will actually be able to be made clean by his sacrifice, he tells them, he says, the Holy Spirit will soon come to live in you, and his role is to help you do the things that I've asked you to do. And the world mistakenly just limits that to a conscience. So in short... Here's all I'm saying. God's mission of restoring broken community is this thread, and it runs from Genesis 1 all the way to where we are now. And the Holy Spirit is on that same mission because he lives in perfect community with God. That's the mission, that's the person. How does that apply to us? 
Well, as I alluded to, is the Holy Spirit's identity and role can get kind of misunderstood, can get kind of vague. I need to help you understand the danger of misunderstanding and what to do about that. So, here's one disastrous danger about the Holy Spirit. There are plenty, but I'm going to do one right now. Detaching the Holy Spirit from the Father and the Son. Detaching the Holy Spirit from the Father and the Son. Or if you want to write it down even more shortly, rogue Christianity. That's the term. Rogue Christianity. Now why is that so bad? As the Spirit is often misunderstood as a rogue agent, that same identity will rub off on you if you're not careful. Here's one example. Tell me if you ever heard this one. God told me statements. God told me statements. Now, I am not saying that God doesn't ever say things to people. That's not what I'm saying. But if we apply what we just learned about the Spirit... And then you go somewhere and you hear somebody say, God told me. And then they say things that are divorced from the wisdom of the Bible. Be careful. Be very careful. I remember when I was in youth group. There was a friend of mine and she was approached by, ironically, sort of a rogue member of the youth group. This young man that just kind of showed up every now and then. And here's what the guy said to her one week. You ready for this? He said, God said that we're supposed to get married. Kids, ladies, gentlemen, if somebody says that to you, shields up. (laughs) Shields up. Because statements like that, especially made in private, betray the very nature of what community is. They insulate the speaker from correction. You know, as in, hey, if God told me something, who are you? Who are you to disagree? This coerces the other person. And it puts them in the hard position of having to make a very strong counterpoint. And if you're on the receiving end of stuff like that, and the Holy Spirit is vague to you, you will have little ground to stand on. So what do you do? Remember, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is is in you. And his role is to help you obey God and be in community with God and, and other people who are, who are in community with God. But in contrast, the rogue and private revelation approach tends to dwell more isolated and in the dark. Friends, if you're even remotely familiar with Islam and Mormonism, that's how they got started. God told, some guy says, God told me this while I was by myself in a cave. 
Fun fact, guess how Islam interprets John 14? Remember the passage I just read about Jesus and the helpers coming? Muhammad's the helper. That's what they believe. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, misunderstanding will only lead to more misunderstanding. Now, that sounds crazy, and maybe you think, well, you know, I don't get it that wrong, or, you know, nobody asked me to, nobody told me that God said we're supposed to get married. So, how do you know if this is you? Well, are you comfortable without praying? (laughs) Are you comfortable without consulting the Bible, and are you comfortable avoiding the counterpoint of a fellow Christian? Or do you just do one or two of those and ignore the third one? Maybe you just don't pray. You do all the other stuff. Well, is that you? Do you become a rogue agent, especially when it's time to make big decisions? That's not in line with who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. He's about community. He's about unbroken community. And if he is in you, he is working to make you the same way. Now, I say this thing, this next thing, without hyperbole. If you miss that, you just might be responsible for starting the next false world religion. And you might not even know you're doing it. Now, to be fair, community is not perfect even, and I might say especially, for the Christian. I mean, the churches in the New Testament demonstrated that. You know, within just a couple of decades, they were already kind of twisting things. They showed us that it's very possible to get it wrong. But please remember the restoration process, and Paul showed us this in letter after letter, the restoration process is a process as we await Jesus' return. So it is going to be hard. But don't go rogue. Don't do it. Turn to the help of the Holy Spirit. Turn Turn to prayer coupled with Scripture and biblical community. The churches, you know, the churches like that, I mean, learn more about joining a church. Some people might think this is all a clever commercial for our membership class coming up in like a month. Yeah, join our church or join another one. The point is, don't not join one. That's what I'm saying. I'd like it if you join ours, but I don't want you to just drift. Pursue the discipleship that Tom spoke all about in the, um, in the congregational meeting last week. Disciple or be discipled. Join one of the many growth groups we have here. Man, be a part of the pod groups. John made all these great PDFs. Don't let him down. <laughs> he worked so hard and they're so great. <laughs> um, kids, participate eager in Sunday school. You know, when it's easy to just daydream or check out, ask for help. Just as the Holy Spirit is a picture of godly community, so is turning to God's word and God's people. 
That was a long application. All that begins to shift the conversation from the identity of the, and the mission of the Holy Spirit to how he helps us with our mission. Because here's the cool part. He's not just one with the Father and Son. He is, point two, one with us. First, he's with us as we go outward on that same mission of restoring people to God. Let me read Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is Jesus after his resurrection. He says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So our mission is this. We, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we now help the world restore broken community with God. Now, how might that play out? What does that look like? Well, right after this uh, scripture I just read, we get one miraculous example in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 41. And I'll go easy on you and just sum that one up. Um, Peter and the apostles go out to a mob of people who are all local for a Jewish festival called Pentecost. And that's the celebration of God giving his people the law. Which ironically is the same law that Israel couldn't keep. And it's the reason for this mission. So they're out to celebrate that. And all the apostles, they are filled with the Holy Spirit and given power. And they speak in tongues. And what that means is everybody gets the same sermon, but in their own language. That's order, by the way. (laughs) For the sake of connecting the whole story to their need to be made clean by Jesus. Do you see the order in that? This isn't just some nifty tidal wave. Here's how verse 41 ends it. This is super important wording. So those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day. About 3,000 souls. So it's not only miraculous, the, world, the wording shows us the clear thread of the mission. People are rightly understanding God's word. That's the person of Jesus. Remember that wording? As they rightly understand the scriptures, which is the written word of God. They're just bringing everything under order. That's the mission of the Holy Spirit. And it's starting to play out in people. It's the same mission that it ever was. It's communal. It's bringing people into the presence of God. And now we get to help. You see that? Now, I got to point out another thing. The means by which the Holy Spirit attains this goal, those vary. Because not long after the same sermon is preached, but the result is not 3,000 people saved. The result is jail and one person gets converted. Which mission would you prefer? Well, if you're the one guy getting saved, probably the second one, right? (laughs) But honestly, we'd probably say we like the 3,000 converts one. It's a big number. No jail. But here's the thing. That was God's story for Peter. But maybe not for us. Maybe not yours. 
don't, uh, don't forget about the rest of the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit shows us in the book of Acts very clearly that we don't really get to dictate the means. We are just vessels for him in pursuit of this great mission goal. So what's, uh, what's one disastrous danger of misunderstanding the Holy Spirit here? I think one danger of many is you'll miss the goal of the mission. It's not about you, but when I read verse 41, and I see 3,000 converts, man, that's a cool goal, right? I want that. Or man, tongues? You know, like I want to learn language so I can go do stuff in Morocco. I wouldn't have to do that, just bam. Just say it. That's cool, right? That's a cool goal. Neither of those are the goal. <laughs> those are the ways by which the Spirit acts. And if we must misunderstand the Holy Spirit, we might get so engrossed with the idea of 3,000 converts or the gift of tongues that we will make those things our goal. And if we do that, we will naturally downplay or ignore other parts of the book of Acts where God grows his kingdom through things like pain and through things like prison and through the most unlikely people, guys like Paul. If we misunderstand the Holy Spirit, we will simply forget that we are a vessel for the goal and we will want to be the Holy Spirit. We will want to do ministry our way on our terms through our preferred methods. And those methods will probably be a lot more convenient than jail. In fact, if we go to jail, we'll probably start thinking we must be doing it wrong. So how do you know if this is you? Do you tend to stick to types of people when you reach out? Or... Do you feel angry or crushed when the Holy Spirit works in some people, but not my other, not the other ones? Why not? Why not my family? Why not my friends? Why not them? Why does that guy have to get saved? I hate that guy. Do you ever get angry or crushed when that happens? Or do you just kind of get angry or sad when The Spirit just doesn't seem to be changing people in the way or in the timing that you'd prefer. I will say this. Please don't take this the wrong way. In a way, if this is you and you feel angry or crushed, you should. Because you are carrying a weight that you are not meant to carry. It's not your job how to predict how people will receive God's word or when they will or even if they will or not. The Holy Spirit is the one opening the eyes of people to receive God's word so that they can be cleaned by Jesus and filled with the Spirit. And we simply go out and we help people get exposed to that. That's the job of the Holy Spirit and it always has been. Your job is to be willing to be used in seemingly mundane or strange or even uncomfortable ways towards that goal. So what do you do if that's you? 
pray that the Holy Spirit would help you. That the cry of your heart would be that people would receive God's word. Not, God, I want tongues, man, that'll do it. Or God, give me 3,000 people. God, just help people to open their ears and their eyes to your word. That they would be drawn into community with God and his people. I'll go off script for a minute because I have to. Um, When I was over in um, Morocco, I, I remember growing up as a Christian. I would hear of people overseas and they would get dreams and visions. And they would... You know, oh, you're going to go to this place and you're going to meet a guy with a blue shirt and bam, they go and they get the gospel. It's so cool. And you know what I think? Oh man, if we only had dreams and visions, that would fix everything. Why don't we get them here? You know? And I went over there and I, my, one of my host family said this. He said, you know what? You know how many Muslims get dreams and visions and they ignore them? They assume it was, you know, either a passing fancy or something they ate. Or they'll hear it and they'll know that it's true. And they'll say, you know what? I just can't disappoint my family. So I will not believe. Now it was frustrating to me at first, but in a weird way it's comforting. Because you know what? They have the same problem that we have here. The main problem is not the method, it's just simply that some people will not believe. And you might even say that nobody will believe unless the Holy Spirit compels them to. So that should drive us to our knees all the more. You can pray for visions and dreams, but know that the thing that people need most is soft hearts. That's what people need. And only the Holy Spirit can do that. Okay, back on the script. <clears throat> it's okay to have preferred methods, you know? And it's also okay to try very new things in the pursuit of people. Of course, you're not to do anything out of line with the wisdom of God's word. You do have a offense for your good. But be willing to get uncomfortable as you get out there. That's what Jesus did. Think of how uncomfortable it would have been to leave heaven. To come here. (laughs) That's a big mission. And when we go on that mission, it doesn't always result in thousands of people being saved. But that's actually another way that the Holy Spirit is in us. It's your last little sub point, not just in outward mission, but helping us privately. He does this by sealing us for unbroken community with God. He brings it all back to community. Now that Sealing for unbroken community. That sounds a little abstract, so let me explain. I'm going to read a passage quickly that sums it up, and then I'm going to read a quick story that illustrates it. This is in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Here it is. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, this is Paul writing to a church, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the, underline this, guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. I'll focus on that word guarantee. 
no matter how our mission is going, or no matter how it appears to be going, the promise to bank on for endurance is found not in us, but in the Holy Spirit. In short, if the Holy Spirit is in us, we can be sure that we are bound for the inheritance of verse 14. And that inheritance is said elsewhere as eternity with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So we are promised to be restored to eternal, unbroken community with them. We get to go back to creation. Community finally gets completely perfect and it lasts forever. That's what the Holy Spirit guarantees us. Just by being there. Do you earn an inheritance? No. You get it simply because of who you are. And who you are is a new creation made clean by Jesus and indwelled with the Holy Spirit. God accomplished that whole mission. In other words, the guarantee that you are a Christian and you cannot possibly lose your salvation is the Holy Spirit himself. I love the way that preacher uh, Vody Bauckham puts it. He says it this way. The only way you can lose your salvation is if God stops being God. There's a beautiful picture of this. And it closes us out. It's in the book of Acts chapter 7. But it doesn't sound like a beautiful story if you read it. If you remember Stephen, he's ironically a helper of the early church on this mission. So one day he's confronted by people, people who refuse to receive the word of God. And at the end of the chapter, they are set to kill him. How do you like that for a mission? They're set to kill him. But he doesn't give up. And here's what happens next in verse 55. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And then his earthly story ends with death by stoning. What happens after that? Well, this is what cosmically happens whenever any Christian dies. Or, actually, this, uh, this chapter says, falls asleep. They, full of the Holy Spirit, are welcomed into eternal community with God the Father and God the Son. We get a picture of it right there in a very, very hard-sounding story. It's amazing. And it shows us what the Holy Spirit does because of who he is. So friends, in light of that, however your part in the mission plays out, whether you get 3,000 converts or you get the Stephen approach, um, you know it ends this way. You will be fully restored into perfect community with God. And so will everyone cleaned by Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit. We see shadows of it now in Acts chapter 7, and we will fully see it soon. So, do not go rogue because you are not an orphan. When you struggle, draw near to God's word and draw near to his people. Now on that note, if you have not yet received God's word, if you have not been cleaned by Jesus or filled by the Holy Spirit, 
I hope I've helped you understand more of who God is and why you need him. Because the same God who raised Jesus from the dead can bring you into unbroken community with God and with his people. Praise God for his Holy Spirit who fills God's people as they grow God's unstoppable kingdom. Let's pray. God, the Holy Spirit, many have done foul things in his name. Many have done foul things in the name of Jesus, in the name of God. God, that does not discount who you are. Though our broken community and so many broken hearts have led to twisting of who you are, you remain unbroken in your community. We saw a thread and it went all the way through the Bible. And it said this, all three parts of the Trinity dwell in perfect community. And the mission of the Trinity is to restore that community in the hearts of people. And by your spirit, we get to help. And by your spirit, we get nudged in the right direction when we're doing it wrong. And by your spirit, we stick with community and we return to your word and we pray no matter how hard it gets. And we're not distracted by the means, but we are driven to be used as vessels, fully trusting in you because you are perfect and you are drawing us and you will draw us one day into perfect community forever. Amen.